10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world. everybody hello and welcome can you hear me okay this is my first time using this app and um, I just need to know that you can hear me okay so can you comment and let me know yes thank you the real Shay thanks for joining in um, let me know where you're listening from I'm here in Tipperary in Ireland and I'm going to talk a lot about myself this evening. It's currently just after 10 p.m. here in Ireland. You're in Michigan in the USA. Well, thank you so much for joining in. And let me know if I'm talking too fast because us Irish are extremely well known for talking really, really fast. Hello, PBG. I'm not going to go through all the numbers, um, but you're more than welcome, guys. You're in the Isle of Man, not too far away from me. I'm really disoriented here tonight because I've actually got an ear infection, so I can only hear in one ear at the moment, and I have a headset in that ear so I can hear myself talking in my head, and I can hear myself talking outside as well, so I'm a bit all over the place um, tonight, so bear with me, and oh, thank you, Shay, um, I have to get used to talking like this, and it's going to take me a little while to get used to talking on the podcast because um, up to now I've done all of my lives and my talking and my sessions on Facebook Live, but I understand that not everybody is on Facebook, okay? So I've probably cut a lot of people out. So I've decided to take it onto podcast, which is great because I don't have to worry about um, hair and makeup and stuff like that, um, which is um, great for me. And um, I guess um, that the content will be there for people to listen back to. So I wanted to start tonight because it is my first time doing a podcast and I'm well aware that a lot of you won't know me or know anything about me or what's been going on for me. So obviously my name is Sandy. I live in Tipperary in Ireland and I have, um, I was born in the town where I still live. Um, it's called Thurlis in Tipperary. Um, I have lived abroad. I've lived in Germany and I've lived in London and I've traveled quite a bit. So I have been off the island, but I came back here to start my family. So this is where I work from. Um, and I wanted to talk um, a little bit about how I got into mediumship because it's a question that's often asked because, you know, a lot of people have the same ability as I have. You will notice as I go along, I tend not to call um, what I do a gift, although it is very flattering when people refer to it as a gift. But being a psychic or being a medium is not a gift. It's an ability. It's an ability that everybody has. I'm just very lucky in the fact that the family that I was brought up in, um, we were full of people with this ability, I guess. And that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about tonight. So yes, um, my family are from Ireland. Okay, they're from um, mainly Cashel in County Tipperary, which isn't that far from where I live. Um, that's where my granddad was brought up. And that's where, so um, if you're in the US, if you Google the Rock of Cashel, 
So it's actually an old Irish castle. It's where the um, the old High King of Ireland used to live back in the day before we were taken over by the British. So it's well over a thousand years old. And up there is where all my family are buried. That's where we come from originally in Cashel. So, um, but my my great grandmother, okay, my my own grandmother, um on my mam's side. Okay, I'm not very familiar with my father's family. My father isn't in my life. So I won't be able to talk very much about my father's family, but I can definitely talk about my mam's family because I know them quite well. And from both sides, from both my grandmother, um, who was Keating before she married my grandfather, my grandfather's O'Brien. Um, hey guys, tell me that love the Rocket Cashel. Hey Mary from Carlo, thank you so much for coming on and supporting me, guys. I really do appreciate it. So my grandfather, um, John O'Brien was his name. He passed away a few years ago. Um, he's the love of my life. Okay. I have to say my granddad, John, was just like the father figure to me. He was always there for us uh, when we were growing up and he was a widower. My, my granny passed away quite young at just 56 years old. So my granddad was a widower and he's the love of my life. I still call him the love of my life. And um, his parents were actually very, very psychic and very mediumistic. So um, those of you here that are from Ireland, your great great grandfather was named John. Um, and was he um, Irish, Shay? Did he come from Ireland? It would be a very, very common name here. Um, so John's parents were extremely mediumistic. Okay, his grandmother was, uh, I beg your pardon, his mother, which would be my great grandmother, she was very connected with the fairies. And she did a lot of experiences, which I've started to write about in the book that I've been talking about forever, but I work away on it behind the scenes. And I've talked a little bit about her experiences with fairies. And when we when we write fairies in Ireland, we write it a little bit differently. F-A-I-R-I-E-S. I'm just putting it in the chat there so people can see it. So we talk about fairies and fairy forts. I actually happen to have a fairy fort behind my house. So I must actually take some video and put it up on my YouTube channel so people can see what I'm talking about. Um, but my grandmother, when she married my granddad, my great grandmother, and when she married my great granddad, and she moved over to say where he was from originally, um, she went out, they were from farming backgrounds, and uh, she was out helping them um, bringing in hay. And her job was to go around the edge of the field and pick up the small little bits that were left over. Um, and of course, she was out there doing it till late. She was being very meticulous about her work. Um, being newly married and wanting to make an impression on her new husband's family. Um, so she stayed out quite late, working away, and darkness fell. And what she didn't realize was the field where she was working was actually a fairy fort. Okay, and if you're in a fairy fort after dark, you can't get out. Okay, that's what happens. You get trapped in there. So anybody here that's from Ireland will have heard this before, I'm sure. So my poor old great grandmother had to sleep in the cart overnight until the sun came up the following morning and she was able to find the gate and let herself out of the field. So she had many experiences like that during her life. And her husband, great granddad O'Brien, um, he was someone who saw the Banshee a lot. So um, if you're not in Ireland, you may not have heard of the Banshee. So the Banshee is a spirit 
that is um the legend is that the spirit follows anybody with o or mac in their name okay so back in the day here in ireland everybody would have had o in their name somehow because um o means son of okay so everybody was o something um but obviously we weren't allowed to use the irish versions of our names when we were under british rule but everybody would have been o or nee which would have been daughter of so the banshee is rumored to follow people with o or mac in their name so obviously um my granddad's family being o'briens would have had a lot of experience with the banshee through the years and my granddad was the one in the village where they lived um we didn't have undertakers in every village there was always somebody in the village that would lay out the bodies in preparation for burial and that's what my granddad used to do so there was a story that one night um where they lived there was like a couple of fields between them and the next neighbor there was nobody right beside them and my granddad wasn't able to sleep my great granddad i should say he wasn't able to sleep and um so he was pacing the floor having a cup of tea all the rest of it and he happened to look out the window he heard a noise outside and looked out the window and he saw the banshee leave the neighbor's house across the field so he got himself ready he put his bag of bits and pieces on the back of his bicycle they didn't have cars and he set out for the uh neighbor's house and just as he arrived he met the priest who was leaving the house um after anointing um the poor neighbor who passed away um unexpectedly i might add um and he was heading up to my great grandfather's house to ask him would he come down and lay out the body but obviously my great grandfather arrived before he was called for and um, when the priest asked him how he knew this had happened he told the priest that he'd seen the banshee i think the priest nearly fainted because it's not necessarily something that um you would talk about with the catholic priests and the town that i'm in here in Thurles um when i was growing up i went to a convent school and to get to the convent school we had to walk past the cathedral and right across the road from the cathedral is st patrick's college where all the catholic priests used to be trained so every morning you would see a procession of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of catholic priests across the road from the college to the cathedral for morning mass so it wasn't necessarily the place where you would talk about seeing dead people and spirits um so it was kind of kept on on the qt as they say as i was growing up but the main ability that i have um would be the mediumship i am a psychic medium i do psychic readings um so the difference between the two people might not um all get this but the difference between the two is this so a psychic reads the energy of the living and a medium reads the energy of the dead okay so a psychic is someone who would read you what's going on in your life what's coming up in the future so it's what would have been called in the past fortune telling okay and um so the mediumship then is i say just talking to the dead like it's just anything but i i do say so the mediumship is just talking to the dead there's nothing fancy about it it's the psychic one that i find the most um the most taxing i suppose on my energy um so the mediumship came from my grandmother's family my grandmother is keating from a village in dundrum in county tipperary not that far from cashel my granddad was at home on leave he was in the uh we call it the irish army but 
it's it's actually the defense forces. We don't have an actual army in Ireland. We have a defense force. And my granddad was in uh, the defense force and he was based down on Spike Island in Cork at the time. And he came home one weekend for a dance and met my grandmother. And that's where their story started. But my grandmother, Mary Keating, um, she was from this village in Dundrum and her mother, Ellen Keating, was actually a very well-known psychic medium. Okay, now we had no internet in those days, so she didn't have a Facebook page or anything like that. But say from about, you know, this time last century up until the 1970s, she passed away in the 1970s and she did readings for all those years. They didn't have a telephone at their house. People used to show up at her house from six o'clock in the morning and queue up outside her house to get a reading with her. Okay, and that's the way she did it. So everybody knew where she lived. And if anybody came to the village and asked, where's the psychic, they'd all be pointed to my great grandmother's house. So she was quite well known. And even um, my mother even says that when she was a little girl and used to go out shopping with her grandmother, that um, people would always put their palms out. So my great grandmother used to read palms. Okay, that was how she did her psychic readings. But she also used to see spirit. And I'm going to share a lovely little story because I, I, this story just always makes me feel warm inside. So Dundrum is a village. Um, I'm trying to think about how many kilometers. It must be 20 kilometers, I guess, from Clamel. And my grandmother walked into Clamel. They didn't have cars. They used to walk everywhere. So she walked into Clamel to visit her best friend who was in hospital at the time. And she spent about an hour or so with her friends chatting away, shooting the breeze, as they say. And then she said that she had to leave to come home. So she set off on her walk home. And just as she was coming in to the village where she was living at the time, um, she met her friend again on the road. So as she was walking along the road, there was um, a small ditch beside her, you know, like a hedgerow. And inside the ditch was a field and her friend was walking in the field and she was coming in the opposite direction. So my grandmother stopped uh, and said, what are you doing here? And the woman said, you know, Ellen, she said, I just had to come and say goodbye to you. She said, you've been the best friend that I've ever had in all my life, she said, and we've been through a lot together and I wanted you to know that I appreciated our friendship. So they chatted for a little while and then she, um, the friend said to her that she had to leave now and she blew her a kiss. So um, my great-grandmother walked on into the village and she uh, walked, she didn't go straight to her own house, she went to her friend's house and when she got there she arrived just before the priest and um because people in the village didn't have phones in their houses the hospital would always ring the priest's house um if something happened and ask the priest to go and speak to the family so the priest arrived just after my grandmother to tell the family that this lady had actually passed away and my grandmother had arrived just before them to tell them the same news because she knew when she met this lady on the road that she was a spirit, that she'd actually gone. And as it turned out, um, my grandmother, when she was leaving, her friend was very tired and she said she was going to have a nap, but she passed away peacefully in her sleep um, just after my grandmother left the hospital. So um, she met her on the way home and she just wanted to say goodbye. And, you know, we talked about this story a lot when I was a little girl 
And I don't know if anybody's ever read the book or seen the movie of The Lost Bones. But it kind of came back to me as well when I was watching that movie because, you know, I think some parts of it are very well done in the way that um, there is a scene where the young girl in the movie dies and as she's running away, she doesn't realise she's actually dead and she bumps into one of her classmates on the road. And it kind of reminded me of my grandmother, my great grandmother's experience with meeting the spirit on the road. So my great grandmother, um, she was kind of the one that held the mantle. And when it comes to the psychic readings, as I say, um, she was very mediumistic, but also she was extremely psychic also. And she used to read palms. And I always tell people, you know, it doesn't matter um, what a psychic uses. A psychic, like I, I actually did some events in Canada and I've seen all kinds of psychics. There was one guy there that held on to people's hair to read them. Okay. It wasn't not, it wasn't necessarily that your life history is in your hair, but it was his way of connecting with that person's aura. Okay. It's a confidence thing. So whether somebody's holding your hair, holding your hand, reading your tarot cards, tea leaves, crystal balls, whatever it is, um, that person is connecting with you. They're connecting with your aura because it's within your aura. So your aura is like a bubble. So if you imagine as you're going around your day-to-day -day business, if you imagine yourself that you're within a small little bubble and everything that's part of your history, everything that's part of who you are, what you think, who's gone before you, it's all contained like a filing cabinet within this bubble. Okay, that's called your etheric aura. And that's what psychics and mediums connect to in order to be able to read you. Okay, so it doesn't matter. As I say, I use tarot cards, but I learned to read from my grandmother. My grandmother read tea leaves. Okay, and of course, my grandmother learned of her mother, who was Ellen Keating. And um, my grandmother, as I say, my great grandmother, as I say, she read palms and she learned to read psychically off of her mother, who used to read stones. OK, that's a very old way of reading. OK, um, to read stones. Actually, Dolly Parton has a song about the old stones. And so every woman in the family is psychic, but they all used something different. When I was a little girl, I didn't used to use anything. Thank you, Shay. When I was a little girl, I used to read people around me and I didn't used to use anything because I was super confident. Um, you know, as we go into adulthood, there's different things that we experience in life that chips away at our confidence. Um, and, you know, that happened to me. I've been diagnosed with PTSD and I get very intimidated by people. So for me, using the tarot cards, it gives me something to focus on. But what I'm actually reading is somebody's energy not necessarily the tarot cards. They'll guide me a little bit, but I I'm very concentrated on the energy of the person that I'm reading. Okay. So, you know, so we've got the two sides of the family and I'll be talking next week. I'm going to go live at this time every week. And next week I'll be talking about the different ways that we as mediums connect with spirit and how you can choose the right medium for you um, when you're looking to uh, book a reading. And so I actually have two ways of connecting with spirit. I'm clairvoyant and clairsentient. And that's because I got different 
um, abilities from different sides of the family. And um, as I say, when I was a little girl, I used to read people psychically without any palms, tea leaves, crystal balls, anything like that. Um, but as I got older, I began to use tarot cards more. People also like to see tarot cards. I think people didn't trust me very much when I used to read them without anything at all. So um, using the tarot cards is a really good way of connecting with people. Um, I said this, I was interviewed on um, Canadian television, actually, when I was touring in Canada about six years ago. And um, so somebody rang in and asked, you know, about connecting with people and the tarot cards. And I explained it. The tarot cards aren't for me. OK, before I started to use tarot cards, when I used to read people, I just used to have maybe some crystals or whatever on the desk in front of me, because when you have something on the desk in front of you that takes people's attention away from what they're about to do. OK, so somebody will come in for maybe a psychic reading and they may have an issue going on in their private life, like they may be being bullied at work. They may be having issues in a romantic relationship or whatever, and their mind will be so full of that. And then they, they come in for their reading and they're very much like, well, I'm not going to give anything away on my face. I'm going to be stone faced for the whole of this reading. I'm going to keep my arms crossed, you know, so. um. What you do is you have something out in front of you that will take their attention away. So immediately when I used to see people in person before, you know, back in the days before the pandemic and uh, people used to come into my office and they'd be like, oh, that's a lovely color crystal. What's that? And immediately their attention would go to what's on the table in front of me, which immediately left their energy and their aura open to be read. OK, so it's like. Um, you know, I don't know what you call it, a tactic, I suppose, to get people to open up and to let down that barrier. Um, there's no trickery involved in reading. Uh, well, not when I read anyway, I can't speak for everybody, I suppose. But um, I always say to people, if, if they say to me, oh, but you're going to Google me. And I say, well, Google yourself and see how much you find out. OK, I, I can guarantee you I work full time in my business and I have two children and a husband and three pets. And I don't have time to sit down and Google everybody that's going to come and see me. OK, um, so how boring would that be? There's no challenge in that then. So, um, yeah, so once you get people to open up their energy, it leaves them wide open to be read. OK, um, so that's why I don't know if any of you have any of you ever been to a live show where there's a medium on stage and they're reading people in the audience. OK, because I used to do a lot of those. Obviously, we haven't been able to do any since 2019 now at this point. But um, I'm hoping to get back to doing some maybe next year if we're allowed. Um, but it's the same when you go into you haven't been to see any. OK, so when you go into a show like that, the first thing the medium will ask you on stage is to relax. OK, they'll say unfold your arms, uncross your legs, because, you know, if any of you went to ever see so somebody here ellen has been to see john edward a few a few times yeah i've been to see john myself he's an excellent medium he doesn't need me to say that about him he's amazing but um, i found him excellent too really and truly i love it and i also love sally morgan and i think she's very talented also but the first thing they'll tell you okay is to um uncross your arms uncross your legs because that is um 
a subconscious way of closing down. And if any of you have ever watched any videos or studied body language in any way, you'll see people when they're hiding something, they cross their arms. Okay. Um, so this is a way and my mum kept the audience well entertained, Ellen says. Um, so this is a way that people use to defend themselves. They cross their arms, they're blocking off their energy, they're closing down their aura, and they're not letting anything to be read. But yet we're all in the audience waiting for a message. So why close down the mess why close down your energy when you want a message? So you'll see the medium whenever um invariably when you go into a medium show like that, you will see or notice that they have music playing, high energy music. It's nothing there's nothing slow or sad about the music that's playing. It will always be high energy music to keep your energy open. And then the medium will come out on stage, they'll be full of energy because they'll have been building up their energy backstage. And they'll say, Come on, everybody now, you know, get moving, get clicking your fingers, get clapping your hands uncross those arms uncross those legs we're looking for a spirit connection here tonight you know and they're getting everybody to open up to relax that little bit to leave their aura open to be read okay because it's within that bubble of your aura that's where your spirit people live they don't know me they don't know john edwards they don't know psychic sally morgan or long island medium Teresa caputo they don't know those people they're strangers to your people in spirit okay it's you that they're connecting with it's your aura that they connect to so it's like telephone it's like a telephone exchange they don't ring my mobile they're going to ring your mobile okay so your energy has to be open you have to trust and I say to people all the time when they ring up inquiring about readings, I say, look, I say, look around. I've no problem with people looking at other mediums. I might not be the right one for you. You have to feel drawn to a medium. OK, you have to feel like there is a connection, because if you met a medium or saw a medium for the first time, OK, on the day that they were reading for you, what if you didn't like them? OK, and some of us can be bitches okay we can i'm not gonna lie and we're not going to connect with everybody i'm an adult i know that there's people that i meet that i just don't like and you can't put your finger on it you just don't connect with somebody what if that happened when you had an appointment made with a medium what if you didn't like them um well if you didn't you would sit down i'll bring you on in a minute dave if you didn't like the person, you would sit back in your chair, you would cross your arms and you'd say to yourself, oh, here we go with all this BS that this person is going to tell me. So you're closing off your energy. You're not going to engage. So when somebody meets me, when, you know, I'm starting the reading, generally talk about the weather, you know, maybe what time it is where they're living or, you know, have they had a busy day? Nothing you know, nothing specific about their life or who might be in spirit or what's going on. Just a little chitter chatter to get people relaxed. And then their energy opens. The minute they relax, um, their energy open. Oh, thank you. Somebody said that they can't wait till the book a reading. Um, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here for the foreseeable, um, unless I happen to win the lottery tonight, in which case I would be on a nice warm island somewhere. Um, so and yes um i'll talk about the lottery numbers in a minute so look it's all about it's all about um energy okay it's about you feeling comfortable it's about you feeling engaged in the process now when i say engaged in the process it's not necessarily about telling people anything about yourself you're not to sit there and you know 
tell the medium everything that they need to know and even when i'm having a call with somebody somebody rings up to inquire about book and read about everything i'm saying now don't tell me who's in spirit okay i don't want to know i actually prefer not to know because if i don't know who's in spirit then sometimes we get surprises okay we get different people through that you weren't expecting okay so i feel like i could talk and talk and talk and i know that um people don't necessarily want to hear me just droning on i know dave you were looking to ring in there do you want to ring in or can i invite you to call in okay i can invite you and dave and you can give us your comment about what you wanted to say um and i i do i invite i'm an open book guys if you want to ask any question you can please you can either type it in the comments or you can come in okay so dave he, um, I've invited him to join, but he doesn't want to come in. I see there's a Michael O'Brien here as well. Um, another O'Brien. Um, I, I actually saw the name and um, it kind of made me jump, Michael, because, or is it Michelle? M-I-C-H. Oh, it's Michelle. I beg your pardon. I read that wrong. I have my office packed up, so you can't see me at the moment, but I'm in a temporary room in my house because we're decorating my office. And I packed up everything in the office to clear it out to be painted. And I packed away my glasses and I can't find them now. So I'm without my glasses for a couple of weeks. But maybe I was meant to see you as Michael because my cousin actually passed away. He was 27 years old. He passed away at the end of February. Um, God bless him. He um, he was in London and he went out for a walk while they were locked down and he was mugged and he was thrown off a bridge. So, um, yeah, so my poor cousin Michael. So perhaps me misreading your name, Michelle, was his way of letting me know that um, he's here with me um, because he's such a lovely fella. I can't tell you. Yeah, it's uh, so awful. I, I just can't explain to you because um, Michael was a prem baby. He was born at 21 and a half weeks and spent the first um, four or five months of his life in, um, I think they call it NICU. I'm not very, I don't have any uh, medical knowledge, but it was, um, you know, a place where premature babies um, are, are kept until he was well enough to go home. And now he's gone, unfortunately. I know Mary, right? No words at all. It's just senseless violence. It's just senseless violence, unfortunately. Um, there is, there's very little appreciation for the gift of life in this world. Um, and I just can't understand it myself, you know? Um, and I talk to so many people, you know, even little babies that have died of illness, you know, little babies that were miscarried. I've spoken to them all and I just see how precious life is. Um, and it's always people, you know, people on the other side and they always talk to us about how, you know, they tell us about how lucky we are to be here and, you know, um, to live every day to the fullest and to, you know, you know, to keep them in our minds when we do, when we're living our life. So, you know, it, it's so hard to see somebody's life taken away at such a short, um, at such a young life. Mandy's telling me she lost a baby. I'm so sorry to hear that, Mandy. And, you know, as I say, I'm an open book. Please, um, please ask me anything because um, I lost six babies, Mandy. And um, as well as that, I worked in third level education and lost, um, we lost some students to suicide. 
And I have found um, over the years that because of my experience in this world, I tend to connect well with those kind of people. Now, I can connect to anybody, don't get me wrong. But I found over the years that I, I do get a lot of babies, you know, because I've lost six myself. And I, I, I have connected with a lot of people who died through suicide. Now, you could say that's because Ireland has a very high rate of suicide, unfortunately. But um, because I suppose I've had that experience of um, some students and even a staff member where I worked, um, were missing originally and when a search party was um, put together, obviously um, they were found. Um, Ellen is sharing that she's from South Africa and there is definitely no regard for human life there. That's very, very sad, Ellen. And I wonder, you know, because I think we see an awful lot on the news. I don't know where you're speaking from personal experience or from what you, you, you hear on the news because I've tended to cut out a lot of what I listen to on the news, not because um, I, I want to pretend it's not happening. I actually, you know, it's not that, but I think I'm one of the generation in Ireland that grew up through, um, oh, you're all right, Michelle. Michelle is saying she didn't reply because her married name came up. That's that's okay. Um I was part of the generation here in Ireland that grew up during what they call the Troubles, okay, in Northern Ireland. So a lot of people my age would have turned on the radio every single morning to news of somebody being shot or a bomb having killed, you know, six or eight people, whatever, um, somewhere, okay? And I think, you know, my generation in Ireland were a little bit hardened to hearing this news it's tragic and you know even to hear about the american soldiers that were lost in afghanistan there last week i mean it's very very difficult don't get me wrong um but what i want to say is that um i suppose it doesn't resonate in the same way as it would maybe with people who didn't have that background behind them. I mean, we're down in Tipperary. We're, we're a good bit away, a couple of hours drive away from the border in Northern Ireland. But at the same time, we still would have had all the, um, the graffiti, I guess, in our hometown. I can remember being a little girl and there was um, graffiti on near where I live is a railway track. So obviously there's a bridge over the railway track and it was painted on the on the bridge, nine dead, how many more? And I can remember being a little girl and asking my mother um, what that meant. And at the time, just to give me a short answer, she told me that there were nine people killed in accidents on that bridge. And I thought, wow, how terrible is that? But it, um, it, that was actually in 1981 and it was the time of the hunger strikers um, and nine of them had died at the time, you know. So it was only as I was older that I realised that the bridge wasn't as dangerous. I kind of avoided cycling over that bridge in the future, um, but the bridge actually wasn't as dangerous as I was led to believe. So we do have to be careful what we tell children because that scared the life out of me. Um, even to this day, I tend to avoid that bridge. It's just kind of ingrained in me. So, you know, when we're hearing these things on the news, but I see that Ellen is saying that she's experienced a lot of crime um, in fam with family and friends and stuff, which is really awful. South Africans are also very hardened to it, although all of us are living with PTSD. Even after being here in Ireland for nearly seven years, we're still a little paranoid. 
yeah, I can absolutely take that. If you have seen that kind of violence, if you've lived through it, it's going to be there. So, you know, imagine, Ellen, if you would um, maybe um, decide to use your ability for mediumship, you know, part of your life experience affects the kind of medium that you are. So whereas I, having lost six babies and, as I say, worked with younger people and, you know, lost some of them to suicide, I tend to, they feel drawn to me in some way, like I, I understand, okay? So if you were somebody that was using your mediumship ability and connecting with people in spirit, it may happen that you would get a lot of people who maybe died because of violence. Um, you know, it may be, I don't know, is it gun violence or, you know, beatings or whatever, but whatever you've experienced, that will bring those kind of people to you because they're drawn to people that have an understanding of what they've been through. Okay. So they're very clever spirits. Okay. They know what's in our minds. They know the experience that we have and they draw on that because we have an understanding. When you're a medium, you draw a lot on your own experience. So, um, so for example, when I see, um, for example, that my cousin died in um, February, I would never have had any reference in my mind to someone being mugged or being murdered during a mugging. Okay, I never had that reference, but now I do. So if someone came to me that had died in some kind of similar circumstances, maybe attacked on the street, you know, mugged, beaten up, thrown off a bridge, whatever it might have been, um, I have that. So what happens is they come through then and they were they show me my cousin, they use what's in my head as a clairvoyant. And I'm going to talk about this more next week about the different ways of connecting and how it works. But they use the reference points that we have in our head. So for example, if you have a medium that has no reference point at all for somebody or for a baby dying, for example, well, I wouldn't say it's impossible for them to connect with that baby, but it's still going to be a little bit more difficult because there isn't that reference point, that feeling, that experience there for the the spirit to draw on. And I just want to say too, because somebody said to me there earlier that she lost Mandy about losing a baby. Um, and we will talk about this as the weeks go on. Um, I'll talk about that in a second, Ellen. Um, I will talk about these things more as the weeks go on and we'll build on our knowledge. But... Um, you know, you know, connecting with a baby or a very young child, okay, it um, it's the same as connecting with anybody else, okay. The fact that they were babies, whether they were preborn or young babies or toddlers, or whatever, just because they didn't have the vocabulary in life, doesn't mean they don't have it in death. The only reason we as women give birth to babies is because physically we can't give birth to an adult. Okay, so we have to give birth to a baby and when they're born, they know everything about the world, you know, before them, you know, before they came to Earth. But of course, as they're growing up, we treat them like babies and they become the babies we treat them like and they forget their spiritual um, experiences. Okay, 
So um, connecting with babies, with animals, with people, oh, I shouldn't have said it that way because people will say to me, are you putting animals above people that don't speak English? It's just the way it came out because it's a very common thing for people to ask me about connecting with animals. But it's also especially, you know, Ireland has become a lot more multicultural um, in these last few years, which is great. We have a lot of people here who wouldn't have grown up speaking English. And, um, you know, even when I travel to the States and Canada and I've worked in Denmark also. So you've a lot of people that don't have English as their first language. And even some people would be looking to connect to family that maybe, you know, we're in the Philippines or South America somewhere. And I don't speak Spanish or Portuguese. So it's not necessarily about the language. It's about the feeling. It's about what they show you. OK, so it's not about language. And um, I do recall speaking to a mother who lost a baby. Now, I can't remember exactly. I think the baby was only about maybe three or four months when it passed away. And still this baby was able to tell me the name badge that was on the nurse's uniform and described the colors in the nurse's uniform. So this baby had been for several months in intensive care, obviously after he was born. And um, we all know that the nurses in intensive care for babies that they wear, um, colorful uniforms so the baby was actually able to tell me the colors in this uniform and the nurse that was looking after him he had read her name on the badge that she was wearing and he told me her name and um he told me about her hair how she'd had her hair cut and um, she actually had long hair which she'd cut up during the time that she was minding him so he gave me all this information and it was amazing and on the same scale, um, I connected with a dog. Um, and I laugh at that, but, you know, I lost one of my own dogs last November and I'm hoping that I can connect with him fairly soon. Um, still grieving very hard for him. But a, a lady did come to me to speak to her dog and the information that this dog had given me um, about where his bed was and about her finding his little toys around the house and about um, the fact that they had taken away his play area and they now had built decking um, over where his bed and his play area used to be outside um, and all of this information. Um, so, you know, you can connect with animals in the same way as you can connect with someone who didn't speak English, who was a baby and didn't have the vocabulary. So it all comes through. Okay. Oh, by the way, my name is Ellen. What you see there is my nickname from my siblings who couldn't pronounce my name and it's stuck. <laughs> that happens um, a lot. Um, we actually have a lot of Ellens in our family. As I said, my great grandmother was Ellen Keating, um, but none of them were christened Ellen. It's a very Irish thing. So um, I know you say that you've only been in Ireland for seven years, uh, but it's a very Irish thing for people not to be called the name that's actually on their birth cert. <laughs> Uh, my son is actually called Donica. So when my little fellow was born, he um, he couldn't pronounce, obviously, the name Donica for a few years. So he just used to call him brother. So whatever works until you get there. And um, actually, so the house that I'm living in now is the house we built together, my husband and I. And our eldest son was three years old when we moved in here. And um, so when we were living here about five years we had our second son, um, Charlie, who's now 13. So Charlie obviously had never lived in any other house and Donica um, didn't even remember living in another house because he actually had his third birthday party here in this house. Um, but when we were building the house, so beside this room that I'm in now, there's a conservatory. 
And uh, we came out here one evening to see the progress on the house and the blocks were done on the conservatory. And when Dunica looked in, because the wall is quite low, um, and he looked in and his dummy dropped out of his mouth. And um, we all, my husband and I, we laughed and we said, well, there's no point in fishing out there because it's going to be filthy dirty. And we just said to him, leave it there. There'll always be a part of you here in this house. And we immediately forgot about it, you know. So we were here five years and then my youngest son was born. And so he was about two and a half, maybe going on three and I was here in the house with him one day just me and him my eldest boy was at school and my husband was at work and uh, he came running in from the conservatory and he jumped up on top of me and he gave me a big hug and a big kiss and he said ah mammy I totally forgot and I said what did you forget pet and he said Kevin asked me to give you that kiss and cuddle and I was like hmm who's Kevin you know, and I said, is it somebody at crash? Is it somebody at play school? You know, whatever. Um, and I obviously knew a Kevin, but the Kevin I knew died when I was 15 years old. Um, and he he just leaned back, you know, and kind of gave me a funny look. And he said to me, Mammy, he said, you know, Kevin that died off the motorbike. OK, so um, I do. I call him my big brother. Technically, Kevin was my uncle, but we were raised together. And yes, he had a motorcycle accident and he died um, after the accident. And um, I never mentioned him because Charlie was very young at the time and I didn't tell him about Kevin. But he told me that he had met Kevin and he told me that he'd met all his brothers and sisters that um, were in heaven with Kevin. And he told me that Kevin told him that he was going to be the luckiest boy in the world to have me as his mummy. So after that, anyway, I was kind of a bit flabbergasted and I was kind of saying, you know, my husband must have told him or maybe my older son had told him or whatever. And I was, you know, I'm the most skeptical medium I'll ever meet. So anyway, after that, he went off out playing away again and he was in the conservatory. Next thing I heard this knocking on the wall. OK. And he was knock, 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 knock. And at first I thought it was somebody at the door. No. So I came back out anyway and I looked in at him and I said to him, he was knocking on the wall and I said, what are you doing? And he put his ear to the wall like that. And he says to me, Mammy, brother's Dodie is in here somewhere. He dropped it when you were looking at looking in the field. So obviously this was just a field, you know, where we built the house. And he had he knew that Donica's dummy was in the wall of the conservatory. And it was right in the exact spot where Donica had dropped the dummy. And he told me that he had seen his brother drop his Dodie because he and Kevin had come to visit. So there, you know, make of that what you will. But my belief that children know their relatives and meet them in the spirit world before they ever come to Earth, I really do believe this. OK, so Mary's saying that her mother lost a baby to a cot death. I just can't imagine, Mary. I'm so sorry to hear it. My mum woke up to a boy telling her the baby was sleeping. Later, when my mum and dad went to see her in the morgue, the same little boy was on the next slab to my mum's baby girl. Mam never knew the little boy. OK, so there's a few things there. Ellen is saying, or Helen, I should say, that that's awesome. Well, I think every child, I think we should listen to children a little bit more. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we call them, you know, we, we say that they've got imaginary friends and stuff like that. I don't believe in imaginary friends. I really think it's the spirit around. 
So I want to talk to Mary's asking a question about the little boy that um, told. So she's saying that um, Mary's mother lost a baby to a cot death. So when her mother woke up, there was a little boy in the room that told her that the baby was sleeping. Okay, and the baby unfortunately had passed away. So when her mother and father went to see the baby in the morgue, the same little boy was on the next slab to my mam's baby girl. Mam never knew the little boy. Okay, so that little boy was someone who also had passed, obviously on the same night, perhaps as um, uh, Mary's little sister, um, who had passed, um. You know, obviously, without connecting with them and finding out the full story, Mary, of, um, of what happened, both of them, um, we can, you know, I would kind of say I'm a huge believer, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I'm a huge believer in the fact that, um, you know, like City of Angels, if anybody's ever seen the movie, and you have all the angels that come and meet people as they they cross over so i do believe in that okay i really do i really do believe that we're all met by somebody and you know i'm just thinking about that and could it be the fact that the two of them passed so near to each other you know within such a, a small space of time had the little boy been connected collected first and then brought with the angel to co collect the little girl you know, we won't know unless we, you know, connect with them um, at some point. But it could be something like that. OK, and perhaps the little boy, maybe the little boy was friendly with one of the other um, siblings of your little sister. Uh, maybe he'd been a friend. Maybe he was in school with them, that he maybe knew the family. You know, it's not easy to say. Um, a friend of mine passed away six years ago. Uh, we were the same age. There was a month difference in age to us um and we just come home we, we did a um a, pro, a course in london in um arthur findlay college in london and um we came home on the 27th i think it was of march something like that and she passed away on the 12th of april very suddenly she had a bleed on the brain and you know she was always really hopeful that in life she would be able to you know meet somebody special um, have children and raise a family of her own and she didn't get to do that but I did manage to connect with her for a short while maybe about three years after she passed and she didn't get to look after children in life but part of what she does in the spirit world is to meet little children who cross over before their parents so, you know, obviously your mum and dad were there, your sister would have crossed over and been very young and not necessarily have known anybody in the spirit world. So um, my friend in spirit, part of her job is to meet these little children, to make them feel at home and to introduce them to their family members. OK, in spirit. OK, so we all get jobs to do in the spirit world. But never fear, you know, nobody's ever left on their own. So they all we all come together in the spirit world in a way that we rarely do in life. So that's something to look forward to, I hope. Thank you, Jacinta. I'm feeling a tiny bit better at the moment because I'm high on painkillers. Um, but I'll be going to bed shortly and hopefully sleep it off a little bit. I, I have 24 hours of antibiotics into me now, so I'm getting there. 
Um, does anybody have any other questions before we finish up for the evening? Because I don't want to drone on too long. But um, it's so lovely to have you all here. And I really appreciate you um, joining in. And I'm totally open to suggestions for topics. So tonight, um, no problem, no look. Yeah, um, uh, no look um, is a brilliant healer, guys. And I did some bioenergy healing with her a few weeks ago. But no look, I've got my ear infection back again. So um I can't hear it all out of my left ear at the moment. So I'm hearing myself all back in my mind at the moment. But um, yeah, so I have a high temperature and an ear infection. So back on the antibiotics again. Um, you find all um, information on readings, Shay, um, on my website. So it's just sandyburn.com. So it's just my name followed by .com. Um, and I will try and get better soon, guys. And, you know, I'm here in this room, which is kind of dark for sitting here doing readings in the evenings. So I'm I'm supposed to be painting my office this week. And I just, you know, I'd rather lick it now than paint it. So I'm going to give myself a couple of days and hopefully at the weekend tear into it. And that I will be in a much better room for doing this next week. So my plan for next week is to talk about those different ways that I mentioned, those different ways of connecting with spirit and how, um, oh, you're so welcome, Ellen. Um, I have no problem chatting. As you can see, the last um, 53 minutes have just flown by and I feel like I haven't even drawn breath. So I definitely have no problem talking about what I do. And I know that people find it so interesting because I take it for granted a lot, you know, that these things just happen in our lives. Okay, and I'll tell you a story before I finish up. So um, next week, I'm going to talk about the different ways of the different ways that that mediums can connect with spirit and the different ways that they can get information, because when you understand that, it makes the decision of which medium to choose for your reading. It makes it so much easier. OK, so that's what I'm going to go through next week. The seven different clairs, as I call them. So if nobody has any questions and nobody wants to come on and ask a question, it's going to take us a while to get to know each other, I think, and to feel comfortable with each other. But I do hope that I haven't bored you so much that you won't return next week for an hour. I will upload the recording of this anyway, because um, some people obviously won't have been able to, to listen live. So before I let you go, I want to share just one more story from my experience. Okay. So um, when I was 17 years old, I was living in Germany. OK, I lived down in Bavaria. So it was all vineyards and lederhosen and all that kind of stuff um, where I lived. Um, the place where I lived was called Roth unter Rietberg. OK, so Roth was the name of the village and Rietberg was the mountain that was right beside the village. So Roth unter Rietberg meant Roth, which was underneath the mountain of Rietberg. Um, so it really was at the foot of the mountain and it was so picturesque and you could take a ski lift at any time of the year up to the top of the mountain and there's a beautiful coffee shop and restaurant up there and you could see for miles around and sit down and have your dinner or whatever. It was absolutely beautiful. I'd recommend going there anytime. But when I lived there, I was 17 and um, I was working in a hotel for the summer and um, I was out one day. I used to run a lot when I was younger. God, if you saw me now, you'd say, God, she wouldn't run to the end of the road. But I used to run a lot. And I um, I was out running one day. And um, 
I had these old-fashioned, it was the early 90s, and I had these old-fashioned headphones. If anybody's old enough to remember the ones that had the sponge covers on them and the, the thing went over your head and the cord went into a tape recorder that you used to hook onto the band of your shorts, you know. It was beautiful, very modern 1990s personal stereo, as we used to call them. So I was out jogging and I was listening to Simon and Garfunkel. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice in my head. Well, I heard it like, so. it must have been in my head, I know now, but I heard it like somebody was shouting at me. And this voice said, run. And I was like, okay, there's some smart ass behind me because I'm actually running, okay? Um, and I kept running and I heard this voice again, run, run now. And I turned around ready to give somebody a piece of my mind and there was nobody there. Like this was Bavaria. It was very quiet. You could go uh, for five miles and not, re not meet anybody. So there was no cars or anything around. But just at that moment, a car came up the road. And you know when you hear when a car is passing you and they're playing loud music and it's going like doof, 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 doof. You can almost feel the car vibrating as it's passing. And... The music was in um, was that loud. You could actually feel the thump, thump, thump as you were standing near the car. So um, the voice said, run like fuck and run now. So I ran. <laughs> OK, and I ran down between um, the vineyards, you know, all the rows of um, grapes and they're planted in twos and they're wired together. So I managed to get in between two. And I was cut asunder on my arms and my face and my legs were all cut from the, the bushes. But I got in there and I hid down as well as I could. Next thing that I hear the car coming back again, okay? And um, you could hear the music. Tuff, 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 tuff. So didn't um, five guys get out of this car, okay? And, um, oh, thanks for, for coming. I don't know what your name is. It's just a lot of letters there. But she, um, somebody's telling me it's their first ever podcast and um, that they hope I feel better soon. Me too. Oh, Karen, thanks so much, Karen. I really appreciate it. So anyway, these five guys get out of this car. It won't let you click the page tabs. That's very strange. Okay, I'll have a look at it after Shay. Leave it with me. Um, so... Yeah, five guys got out of the car and they were talking really, really fast in German. Now, I had basic German, but all I could hear in my ears at that time was my heart beating. You know, when you're so scared that your heart, all you could hear in your ears is like thump, 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 thump. Um, and they started walking down. They were looking up and down the road. Then they started walking up and down the rows of vineyards. And um, I was so scared. And I... Um, I was waiting and one of them, there must have been about 20 minutes or more looking around. And one of them was coming very near to where I was hiding when all of a sudden uh, one of the guys up the road, he called something and he must have said, oh, she must be gone because they all went back up to the car. They got into the car and they left. And I waited about another 20 minutes there before I, um, I came out and I ran through the fields back to where I was living. So, um, Thankfully, I wasn't kidnapped or anything. But uh, years later, I was reading a magazine when I was back home living in Ireland. I read a magazine. It was a story of a girl from the United States. Um, and she had taken a lift off of a guy in a truck. And 
she um i don't know if she'd run away from home or something but she t- she thumbed a lift and she got a lift off this guy and they stopped at like a service station to get something to eat and um oh no look no look at saying she could almost feel my fear but honestly i literally could hear my heart thumping in my ears that's all i could hear couldn't hear anything else um but anyway this girl and they stopped at a service station in somewhere in the united states and they had something to eat and before they headed off again she said i'm just going to go and use the restroom so when she was in the restroom she went to wash her hands and she heard this voice say to her run run now and like me she turned around and there was nobody behind her and she thought oh, it must be my, my imagination and then the voice said again to her run the window is open and she looked around and yeah the window was open um in the restroom and she could have put her foot on the sink and climbed out the window but she didn't she thought she was being ridiculous um and that girl was she got back into the truck with the guy and basically he held her for eight years she escaped eventually but it took eight years so you know I, it just dawned on me of what, you know, when I was 17, I didn't think of what could have happened to me if those guys had found me hiding um, in the vineyard. But thankfully they didn't. And I was able to live my life, you know, pretty normally. But sometimes spirit can really, really help us. You know, they can give us that warning. Okay. And we will talk about that a little bit more next week when we're talking about the different ways that they can communicate and how they can help us in life. Okay, guys, so I've been talking for a full hour. So I want you to bring all your questions with you next week. If you can join me live, I'm an open book. Okay, there's nothing that I'm going to say mind your business to. If you want to ask me anything, please feel free. Um, I'm not sure she is telling me that um, she can't click the page tabs on my website. Um, I know it's working because I've been getting bookings in there today. So I don't know why. Maybe try and refresh your browser. If not, you can drop me um, drop me an email at Sandy. So it's just Sandy as in my name, S-A-N-D-I-E at S-B-M. So S for Sandy, B for Burn, M for Medium. So S-B-M.ie. If you drop me an email, if you're still having trouble and um, I can send you the direct link. Folks, you know what? This hasn't been so bad for my very first podcast. Um, I hope that I didn't rabbit on too long. And if there's any topics that, um, no, sandy at sbm.ie, so that's my email address if you're having problems with the site. So sandy and then the little at symbol at sbm.ie. That's my email address. Okay. Um, thanks, Michelle. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm well used to talking. Thank you so much, Jacinta. And I should have this um, up. You know, that would have been a great idea, Karen. Is, is, is that Karen that just typed my email address? I didn't type it. So let me actually just type the HTTPS sandyburn.com. That's the website. And then the email is sandy at sbm.ie.ie, ie is my email address so thanks so much everybody for the support i really do appreciate it and i will see you back here well i you'll hear me back here again the same time next week and for those of you that are on the app or online for those of you that have signed in um you'll see that you have the ability to 
dial in to join me and talk to me and ask me your questions live as well. So you're more than welcome to do that. That's why I chose this uh, particular app because it would be very easy for people to join me on here to ask questions or to talk about different topics. Guys, good night to everybody and we will talk to you next Wednesday um, at the same time. Take care, everybody. I play my little jingle too because I, 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 somebody wrote it for me and um, I really like it. So bye, everybody. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world.